Welcome to another episode of Turn Left. I am your host, Indiana's own Dana Black, coming to you live. Yes, all the way live from Black Pearl Studios, where we talk about Indiana politics from the left side of things. Wow, wow, wow. How wonderful was our big dim weekend last week? Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. I am fired up and ready to go. But before I get to that, I, I gotta ask you guys, are y'all watching the January 6th commission hearings? Are y'all watching that? Like, I mean, I knew it was bad. I knew January 6th was bad, but I didn't realize how bad. Like, dude does not care for the rule of law. None of his little minions care about the rule of law. They just care about power. And again, why? Why, 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 why? Do we want to keep a narcissistic twit as president? He's a moron. He's unscrupulous beyond belief. He is the most horrible human on the planet. There's no reason why he should have ever been elected to the highest office in our land. And it just shows that some people, they will, they will throw the baby out with the bath water. That's what they will do, because they were really about ready to give up our democracy. They were really about ready to give it up. And I'm, I'm watching it. I'm keeping an open mind. And have you noticed that it's only Republicans they've been talking to? They ain't even talked to no Democrats yet. They don't even talk, they've only been talking to Republicans. So this dude, I, he, he, I don't, they just need to throw him overboard. Um, and before we get to the uh, Big Dim Weekend and who the candidates will be, I wanted to read this. I, I saw this, this uh, just before we came on the show. The U.S. Supreme Court has struck down a New York gun law on Thursday requiring people to demonstrate proper cause to c carry concealed firearms outside of their homes. The court voted 63, arguing that the 108-year-old state law violated the Constitution's 14th Amendment by preventing law-abiding citizens with ordinary self-defense needs from exercising their right to keep and bear arms, per the opinion according to the Washington Post. The ruling could make it easier for people in at least a half dozen states to legally carry loaded firearms in public. Now, obviously, this comes on the heels of the Senate uh, passing some type of gun reform. Uh, it, listen, if, if killing little kids is it, doesn't make them want to look at assault weapons and banning those type of weapons, when the little babies died at Sandy Hook, I knew, and they didn't make any changes. I'm sorry, that's, it's not going anywhere else. Until we begin to elect people who will put judges in place who will write policies that speak to who we are and the, and the spaces that we're in right now. Obviously, the Second Amendment was written when we were having muskets and you had to rip open the, the powder and stuff it down in there. You weren't shooting 15 people at one time. But, I mean, in Indiana, we got rid of, you know, we have constitutional carry now. You can just go get a gun. What could possibly go wrong with that? I don't know. And of course, Republicans always swear they are down with uh, law enforcement. Law enforcement begged them not to pass that bill, but they did it anyway. All right. So big damn weekend. Republicans had their whatever they call their weekend. They were at the fairgrounds. We were at the convention center. So who we got? Well, you already know that uh, Mayor um, McDermott is running for U.S. Senate against Todd Young. Uh, honestly, you know, I think he probably is the best candidate to run against Todd Young. 
he, you know, when you put them side by side, they're both military veterans. Um, at least Mayor McDermott has actually been an executive branch for a while. So I, it's actually a good race as far as Indiana's concerned. I'm not really sure how it's going to turn out. We're going we're gonna to keep our fingers crossed that hopefully those that are interested in decriminalization and legalization of, of cannabis will get on board. I know it worked in Colorado, so maybe we could do something here. But the bigger race, in my opinion, the most important race is the race of, of who's going to protect your voting rights. Diego Morales, who is running as a Republican, will face off against Destiny Wells, Destiny is an armor reserve. Now, listen, I got this information. I was reading this information on the Indianapolis Star. The Indianapolis Star, sometimes I, I'm, I'm a, little, a little discouraged with them because they did not give any of the same time to our Democratic candidates that they did to the Republican candidates. They wrote up articles and talked about the convention. They didn't give us no love. That's why I turn leftists here, because I'm going to talk about what we care about as Democrats and highlight who we are. But Diego Morales will face off against uh, Destiny Wells. Um, Republicans don't even like Diego Morales. Dude got fired multiple times from the Secretary of State's office. Not exactly sure how well he, for incompetence, mind you. Not really sure if he's going to be the right guy for that position. So, y'all, let's get behind Destiny Wells and let's get on that. Uh, the state GOP also selected its nominee for state auditor and treasurer during Saturday's party convention, choosing current auditor Tara Klutz uh, for the party's nominee for auditor and Danielle, Daniel Elliott, uh, the chair of the Morgan County Republican Party for treasurer. They will go against Jessica McClellan, who's running for treasurer out of Bloomington. She's already the Monroe County uh, treasurer, so she's already got that experience. And Zanae Brooks, who is a CPA for Cummings, will be our Democratic nominee uh, for auditor. Y'all, do you not recognize what we have done here? Democrats have put together a diverse all-woman all team. I mean, woo, all women from diverse backgrounds. Yes, we can do that. So let's get behind these candidates and let's make sure that we, we got to get at least two or three of these statewide offices because right now we have none. But it's going to take everybody to get involved. It's not going to happen because we hope and wish and pray. We got to actually get out and do the work. All right. And you got to donate. You got to donate to these candidates. Go to their Act Blue pages. I said it. Go to their Act Blue pages <laughs> and support these candidates. All right. Uh, Albany Democrat Herald reports Indiana will see another increase in state gasoline taxes starting July 1 amid promises of inflation relief, including a proposal to issue direct payments. The state's residents will pay 62 cents per gallon in taxes on gasoline. The State Department of Revenue announced Monday another jump from June's record high 56 cents per gallon. Fuel costs were expected to continue to rise in July, elevated largely because of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Now, the president came on yesterday and said, could y'all please like do some cutting, maybe cut some of these fuel gas taxes. Uh, you know, I found it interesting that Sir uh, Mitch McConnell <clears throat> was like, oh, no, nah, it's it's a ridiculous idea. But it wasn't a ridiculous idea to give those tax breaks to all those wealthy people. Now, was it? But you don't want to do anything for the, young, the little people, the people that actually have to drive back and forth to work every day. You don't want to give them a break. Mm, I wonder why. It's uh, Listen, it may not make a huge difference all at once, but it's going to make a difference to people who have to put, you know, 10 gallons of gas in their car. 
$5 a gallon or $4 a gallon is a big difference for a lot of people. So I wish they would do something they could at least hold off on raising the taxes, but it looks like it's not going to happen. You know, Republicans, they hate taxes, except for when they're taxing working class people. That's all I'm going to say. And then, of course, the Indiana Star reports Eric Holcomb has signed a proclamation Wednesday calling lawmakers back to the state house for a special session uh, starting July 6th. He's asking legislators to send a collective $1 billion package back to Hoosiers uh, in order to combat inflation. Um, his plan, he wants to give every Hoosier $225 along with the $125 each Hoosier got if you got it. I got mine. Hope you get yours. Yes, this $225 will come uh, as much needed, you know, with, with the reserve funds and, and the AAA ratings. Surely to goodness and mercy, you will be able to give something back to the people that actually created that amazing surplus of dollars and reserve of dollars. Especially since you're not putting high-speed internet in. Especially since you're not paying the teachers like they're supposed to. Especially since you're not making sure that all schools have the same amount of resources. Might as well give $225 back. I'm just saying. I'm being a smart behind. But real talk, these guys, don't, they have all this money, but they don't seem to know how to invest in who's your families. And that's where I have a real issue with a lot of this stuff. Because people out here struggling. People don't want to live in Indiana. People are leaving. People are getting these amazing degrees from... IU, Notre Dame, Purdue, Ball State, Indiana State, Rose-Holman, all these wonderful schools, and they go elsewhere. We have over 50 counties that are essentially welfare counties. And guess what, y'all? It ain't Marion County. Marion County makes sure we, we fund 50 states who are losing revenue. All those red, bleeding red counties, the bluest county of them all is supporting y'all and lifting y'all up. It is what it is. That's where the people are. So if we want to keep people in Indiana and even in those small towns so that we can generate revenue across the board, we've got to do a lot more when it comes to the quality of life here in Indiana because it is terrible and we are leaving, losing people on a regular basis. All right, that's my rant. I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of hyped for my vacation. I'm still kind of hyped because, you know, I just turned 52. You know, 52, it looked kind of good on me, don't it? <laughs> 52, had my birthday a couple weeks ago last week, um, feeling good. And I'm so glad that I we have this show for you. So hopefully you guys are tuning in. You like the content that we're bringing you and you will want to uh, contribute and donate to these candidates that come on the show. Well, who's on the show, you say? Well, first up, he's coming in. Uh, I've, this is the first time I've had a chance to meet him, but I saw he won his primary. So I was like, yo, come holla at your girl. Y'all give it up for my first guest running in state Senate district 14, Zach Hymick. Zach, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dana. Thanks. It's good to be here. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. And also running for our state Senate in district 41 is Brian Munoz. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Dana. I love it. How you guys doing today? Doing great. Doing great. The heat broke a little bit. It was a beautiful day down here in Southern Indiana. I love it. I love it. You guys been watching any of the of the hearings? Yeah, it's <laughs> wild. It's absolutely wild. It's, like it's, like you said, the the narcissism just 
I don't know of anybody more narcissistic. It, it's just, you knew there was narcissism there, but to the depth and level, it's just jaw dropping. Oh my God, it's crazy. Yeah, it's been interesting. And I was listening to a little bit of NPR in the car, just covering um, and talking about Arizona and what was going on there. And, you know, just the, 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 the willingness to sacrifice ideals in the name of power is, is just an extremely disturbing trend. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So I tell you what, let's get into talking about who y'all are. Zach, tell the people who you are and where you come from. Yeah. So, uh, hey, everybody. My name is Zach Hymack. Um, I grew up and was raised in Auburn, Indiana, um, DeKalb County. We're the northeast corner of the state. Uh, we're about 20 minutes north of Fort Wayne. So uh, I grew up here. It's about 12,000 person town. Um, went off to college at Miami University. And then uh, wanted to do some service, got in the AmeriCorps program and worked for the Boys and Girls Clubs in Metro Denver uh, for two years. And it was an incredible experience uh, working in inner city Denver and some underinvested neighborhoods um, and really had almost a second family out there between the kids and the families and uh, my fellow people who are working in uh, the AmeriCorps program. And it was really revelatory um, and just, just a way of, you know, understanding communities that don't look like Auburn or don't look like Waterloo, don't look like Butler, um, don't look like college towns and being able to develop relationships and get a better understanding and empathize. Um, after that, I realized that, you know, some of the issues that the kids were facing, the families were facing were more systemic issues that, uh, as good as public policy or as good as direct services, public policy might be the thing that uh, also needs to change in order to lift up, empower, and, and, and give a good foundation for the neighborhoods that these kids are growing up in. And, uh, and so I worked at the state Senate for uh, about 11 months in, in communications and then went to um, seminary, Louisville Presbyterian Theological Seminary Realized I didn't want to be a pastor, but that I uh, that I wanted to look at um, uh, how we stand by um, people who are oppressed, people who are downtrodden, um, how we actualize love, not like, you know, the sentimental love, but what King talked about, this creative, uplifting, um, substantial force in our society and our culture. And, you know, if the last four years hadn't happened, the last six years hadn't happened. I don't know that I'd be in this position. I work in community development, but um, but like I said earlier, you know, the the willingness to sacrifice our ideals and our values. Um, I grew up Northeast Indiana, small town, and it was, you know, I believe in liberty. I believe in opportunity. I believe in freedom of speech. Mm -hmm. I believe in equality. These things were not, you know, just rhetoric to me. And uh, the last six years have kind of made it seem that these things are just tools people are using to, to get power. Mm -hmm. Very dissatisfied with that. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm here for the pro proactive reasons of, of getting a better foundation for education. Um, mental health is a huge need in DeKalb County and Allen County. And uh, just the, the, the upside that we can have by having a better education system, having more accessible mental health care, and, and overall knitting our communities back together uh, around 
know, actually investing in people's lives mm. is, I think, a really productive direction we can go in. So that's why I'm running for state senate. So it sounds like you have a servant's heart. It sounds like, you know, you uh, believe in, um, you know, I am my brother's keeper. Yeah, very much so. And I think that is a lot because of the experience that I had growing up in this community. And it was, you know, I was blessed to have so many mentors, uh, a strong community, coaches, teachers, you know, theater instructors. Theater. Uh, oh, yeah. Show choir, DeKalb show choir. When I was growing up, we were pretty good. Uh, we competed regionally. And uh, um, but yeah, just, you know, you, you have all these experiences and you and then you you leave. And you see beyond your horizon, you understand how important those were for you, but also how many people don't have those experiences and realizing how important they are for you and how many people don't have those experiences. To me, it's, you know, my faith is a, an extremely important part of this. And to me, you know, treating other people you want to be treated and putting yourself in other people's shoes, um, you want other people to have those opportunities and blessings. And that's extremely important to me. And I think that's how we begin to empathize more and, and really knit our communities together. That, you know what, well, you sound like the right kind of person we need in our state house. When we see these folks writing the kind of policies that are harmful to humans because they disagree with them. It's, I mean, we need more people who have compassion for humans, not see them just as taxpaying commodities. Right. Right. And, and, you know, the, I think it was Chief Executive Magazine said Indiana is the, the fifth best state for business. And that's good. That's important. But when Gallup did, the Gallup Research Organization did uh, a survey of Indiana right before the pandemic, mm -hmm. well-being, we were 41st in the nation. When it comes to career, social life, um, health, we ranked, we ranked almost last. And so we have to ask the question, Whose interests are being lifted up? Is it is it the individuals and the communities and the people of our state, or is it not? And and you know the, the purpose of government is to represent all people, not just a niche amount of interest. And so you know that's that's really important to me. Are we actually living up to the purpose and the ideals of why we're why we're here? I love it. And and guys, if you like what Zach's talking about, his Act Blue link is right there. I, I tell you what. I'm gonna have to give him some dollars because I'm feeling what my man is talking about. All right, Brian, he set the stage up for you. Yeah. Tell the people exactly. who you are and where you come from. I think I feel like Zach and I are like we don't realize it, but we're like cut from the same cloth. That I'm a show choir kid too. I grew up in Fort Wayne, uh, went to Carroll High School, so we were like the Carroll show choirs. Uh, okay, wait, 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 wait. How is it that I got two show <laughs> choir candidates on the show? So, yeah, so where are all our sequins at? I want to know. Like, there should be way more sequins right now in this interview. Uh, so I, I'm a born and bred Hoosier. I, I grew up in, in Fort Wayne, and, um, you know, I went to Carroll High School, but I, I grew up on the east side of Fort Wayne. Um, I have two brothers and a sister, and my dad died when, when I was young, and so it was a single mother raising four kids, and she just did an amazing job. Uh, raising us and, and working and, and our family was a team. We were lucky that our extended family was in, in Fort Wayne. So they helped kind of raise us too. So that family structure was so important to me as I was growing up and um, taught religious education at, at uh, St. Charles when I was going through high school and 
when I went to college, I just, I knew I wanted to be a teacher. I just didn't know what vehicle and, and I was good at music. I, I'm actually a band guy. Uh, so, so I decided to go into music education, went to IPFW, uh, volunteered at JA, uh, Junior Achievement when, when I was in college, just to be in front of kids. I think what I enjoyed most when I started in religious education in high school was that you had the power to get kids to think for themselves mm -hmm. and make decisions for themselves and come to conclusions for themselves and just offer them ideas and thoughts and not decisions but ideas and thoughts uh and and so that drove me into education so i got my bachelor's um taught up north for a while i've i've, I've moved down here now to columbus indiana just south of indianapolis uh, my district's district 41 so that's all of bartholomew county which is, is columbus is the major city there and then kind of the bottom half of johnson county so i think like whiteland franklin just south of greenwood um got my master's at indiana wesleyan for for leadership and uh so i'm the band director here at columbus north high school we have 200 kids in our marching band and um you know that keeps me busy uh, but it, it was just that turning students into leaders and wow. and kind of to piggyback off of what what zach said of people leaving indiana was a bit you know was a big thing what's the desire to stay here and so if you can if you can simultaneously teach kids that you can create a better life for everyone in your community and you can make your community a place where people then want to come into mm -hmm. it and live because of you and because of your actions and your words and how we treat our community uh really kind of has driven how i teach mm. and um and so that that's kind of me in like in like the 45 second nutshell yeah. i love it and you know what we we need more educators um in our state house because apparently um the people who are writing policies don't actually know what teachers do yeah so dana that was one of the biggest driving forces i think for a lot of us i you know cindy worth is is running for yes Congress in in our area and she's a teacher too in fact i think she just wrapped up her doctorate um so we're going to be calling her doc on the campaign right trail. dr dub that's right and so she um you know we we were under attack it just felt like the state has been telling us for the last few years you don't know what's good for your community and they weren't just talking to this to teachers they were talking to school board members which yeah. community members they're business leaders they're people who have kids in the school and they're just saying you don't know what's good for your kids so we're going to legislate what is best for your kids and it's just ridiculous. And, you know, I've, I've lived in Fort Wayne. I student taught at DeKalb. I know Zach's district very well. And, and we're similar in some ways, but we're very different in other ways. And Zach's constituents know what's best for their kids. And the people in Columbus and in Johnson County, we know what's best for our kids. And let us worry about our kids. You worry about helping us get relief at the pump. And, and worry about making Indiana a better place. Yeah. We'll take care of our communities. One of the things I find interesting, and both of you chime in on this, it seems like we have gone, when we started doing the uh, standardized testing and you know ISTEP, whatever it's called this week, because it'll probably change, we started removing th good stuff from school, right? I mean, we yes, I understand people talk about us reading, rap, reading writing, and arithmetic, but there's something about developing a, a, a young person when you have music, when you have art, 
talk about in, in both terms, since you both were in show choir, what it meant for you as young people to be able to have those extracurricular activities and how did it round you out as a human? Yeah, so, you know, I think as I teach, you know, I teach band every day. I, I see these kids every day. We're, we're in a couple of weeks. We're going to, I'm going to see these kids in marching band more than they're in their own parents. And one, it gives a kid purpose. It gives a student a sense of belonging. And it doesn't have to be music or theater or football. It, it could be welding class. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we talk about teaching to the test. Well, those but then we hear our community say, well, why don't they teach kids to change tires or or, or change oil? Finances. We used to be able to do that until all these standardized tests came around and we were forced to kind of eliminate those things. It gives kids a sense of purpose and a reason to get up in the morning and be a part of something bigger than themselves because that's what they're going to be a part of when they step out of high school. Yeah. Zach? Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, I'm not in... I'm not a, a professional educator, you know, working at the Boys and Girls Club. We, I designed lots of youth development programs and RAM programs, you know, working after school programs and seminary. Um, but it's it's so clear when you do things like that, as I'm sure Brian would agree, that teaching is so much more than just instruction. There's so much more to, to being a role model, to inspiring kids, to caring for kids, to having to, to flexibly handle, you know, situations that come up that you may never anticipate or that has nothing, nothing to do with the, the lesson at hand. Um, but, but, you know, show choir honestly was, was such, such an amazing part of my high school experience. It was me, my cousins, a lot of my best friends, half the soccer team was on, was on show choir, uh, was on show choir. So, uh, you know, it, it also gives you things that you wouldn't necessarily pick up. Mm -hmm. um, by the time I got to a senior, uh, you know, public speaking, being in front of crowds, being able to express, having an, the empowering experience of, of doing something creative that you really like, that you, boy, I remember the, our first competition, walking on um, at Southmont and then hearing, hearing them announce DeKalb High School and hearing the crowd explode and the chills you get from that and being able to just do something powerful be led by mentors who you know talk about the difference between goodness and greatness um talking about discipline talking about self-discipline you know you just get all these things that i remember doing a doing a, a public speaking in college and realizing i wasn't nervous at all Mm -hmm. and not even understanding why that was and thinking, oh, it's because I just spent the last four years of my high school being in front of crowds, being center stage in front of people, singing solos, and you just pick up things that you wouldn't get otherwise. Mm -hmm. way, like Brian said, whether it's, whether it's being an auto mechanic or whether it's doing art or whether it's doing sports, but picking up things that you wouldn't necessarily get just in the classroom. And it was, it was, it was immeasurably valuable to me. I love it. I mean, and, and now I think, you know, you triggered something when you were talking about it. And I guess we got to talk about something serious. Um, you know, you talked about how these show choirs and these extracurriculars develop 
young people so that, you know, when they get older, they're prepared. I think about, it literally hit my brain, just as you were saying that, um, the young Uvalde um, students who will never get the opportunity to experience what you guys are talking about. And I mentioned that the Supreme Court struck down New York's uh, laws on constitutional, talked about how the uh, Senate passed some gun regulation. If if you want, and 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 I I you know hopefully it's not too sensitive, and I apologize in advance. But talk about your emotions about Uvalde, and then as policymakers, how would you like to see you know this crisis of mass shootings and people being able to just to go get assault rifles with a gazillion magazines and that many more bullets? Talk about that, Zach. Yeah, and I, you know, I felt like you know we didn't even have time to grieve Buffalo, right? Um, at the time his body happened, and and there were so many, you know, there were so many layered um, aspects to Buffalo too, between the racism, the uplift of white supremacy, um, the up, you know, the the isolation of of people, um, and again, not having and knit together communities where people feel like they can rely on each other, where people um, reach out to each other, where people, um, you know, are invested in each other's lives. And I think that's, you know, not to get too far afield, but I think that's part of the character of our politics is, is a big part of this problem. Um, but yeah, I, it, it's just, it's disgusting to me. Um, those guys were never going to be help to anybody's militia if we're talking about the second amendment um and and you know those kids had a right to live and if we're weighing you know the completely uninhibited right to get an assault rifle a weapon of war um, and we and i think some of the the republican party in the state has talked about hardening our schools even further and, and more security measures. But, you know, I don't feel comfortable with making our schools into barracks and eventually the kids are going to leave the school. So to me, you know, we got to do something. The status quo is not acceptable. Uh, and, you know, I think at least raising the age limit to 21, that, that to me, you know, so many of these shooters have been, uh, 20 around 21 or under mm -hmm. um just just there's so much support for a universal background check there's so much support for common sense and weighing the importance of these kids lives their, their rights their lives and the kids who survived and will be traumatized forever um but but you know it relates to developing more access to mental health care and understanding at the, at the teen library i hear kids coming in every day um talking about incredibly stressful things that are happening in their lives. I'm trained in pastoral care and, and in mental health care, but I'm not a therapist and right. I'm not going to say that I am. Like I'll listen, I'll empathize, but giving people more access early on to mental health care can be such a a massive tool and a massive hope. Um and you know if we're really invested in, in protecting people and giving them tools to navigate their lives and 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 building as a net stronger community um 
I really want to focus on mental health care. Part of that conversation. I like that. I like that. What you got, Brian? Yeah, I think, you know, <clears throat> the officers at Uvalde froze. They didn't know what to do and they didn't respond quick enough. I don't think if I was armed, I would respond faster. I'm not trained in that. that right. That's not my profession. I right. didn't choose. When I went to college, I didn't go, I want to defend a high school. I, I want to be the defender of a high school. I want to be a public safety servant. That's that's not what I signed up to do. Right. So I don't think, you know, I would hope that if God forbid anything happened, that that my instincts would kick in and I would go into like Papa Bear mode and protect everybody. But I don't think arming me is going to help that situation. Arming me isn't going to stop that teenager from buying a gun or stealing a gun or buying a high capacity magazine. And even bigger, if we want to focus on protecting people, why did Indiana allow permitless carry? Didn't it just get inherently more dangerous in Indiana for our police officers to protect what, what could go wrong? Our, our community? It goes in effect. Doesn't it go in effect this year, July one? Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, we're we're on the eve basically of permitless carry, and we're inherently saying to the police officers, "We're going to make your job tougher." Yeah. You you now have to assume we're all going to carry a gun, and it's all going to have a high capacity magazine, and we're allowed to do that because well, it's Indiana. And see the 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 bad part about that, and and I I I understand like the one side of okay, law enforcement has no idea what someone has. The other side of that is. Law enforcement has no idea what somebody has. And if you're black and brown, that is a deadly combination. You don't even, they, they don't know who has a gun. Now, they, they don't even know because you're not even registering. And we see when it comes to black and brown people, they get really twitchy with their fingers. I honestly think being even if you have a candy bar in your hands. I, I think it's worse for black and brown people now now that we have permitless carry, because unfortunately, you know, they always saying it's, it's only a few bad apples, but they in the same damn bunch. And so I, I'm, I'm afraid for my life every day now because they don't know who has what, and they're going to be extra twitchy, you know? Right. Yeah, we, we have made Indiana, not we, the state house Republicans have made Indiana a more dangerous place. Oh God, year. yes. And more you know, dangerous and is, for the humans. This look, my uncle was was assistant chief of police in Fort Wayne, and we've we've had some robust conversations. And he's he's a lifelong Republican, but him and I both agree on this topic that this this is wrong for Indiana. This this is this is not what's right. We're we're not even again. We don't listen to the teachers about education, and now the state house ignored the superintendent of police out of Indianapolis, or you know the state state police. police. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't care. It, I mean, it's very evident the people running the state house in Indianapolis simply just don't care about hometown Hoosiers. And that's a problem. And and I'm listening to the two of you. And by the way, if you believe it, uh, if you like what Brian is saying, please click on his Act Blue link. It is right there as well. Come on, y'all, click on these links and get these men some money. Um, the 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 thing that's so scary is that the whole point of being elected to office, right, is to represent the people. We are seeing now where people are writing legislation based on the specific industry at the moment and what they agree on. For example, 
for a long time, we couldn't purchase uh, alcohol on Sunday until the distributors, the manufacturers and the grocery store people got together and said, OK, let's work this out here. Legislators, you can write your bill now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, it, and it's the same thing when it comes to pharmaceuticals. You know, here we have Eli Lilly's right here. We have, you know, major manufacturer yet. And still we have these these ma major corporations are charging significantly more for their products for Americans than they do out, outside forces. How do we and how would you as an elected official um, address, you know, the special needs, the special interests, because they're going to when you win, they're going to come for you. Right. So talk about how I mean, obviously, businesses do need our support for certain things. But talk about how you plan on creating those relationships with those entities and how you will be able to, you know, keep the dividing line between the people that you represent and the businesses that are supposed to be serving those people. Yeah. So, Dana, you you mentioned that, you know, when they get to the state house, they're writing all these bills for businesses. It's a third of our bills weren't even written by our own state legislature legislators. They were handed to them and said, hey, do you like what's going on in this state? Here, just take this and put your name on it. So they get elected and instantly they get lazy and somebody's handing them a bill lazy. to to put on the floor. That's insane. And I think that just speaks immediately to this this disconnect that apparently if you can get to the Indianapolis, the people you're representing don't matter anymore. Um, I know as a teacher, and certainly you know if you're in the pastoral community, you are 100% liable and you have to respond to these parents you know, or these families, if they're not happy with what you're doing and you, you have to have a reason and a purpose and you have to listen to them because you're a teammate, mm -hmm. you're raising this child with those parents. And, and that's the philosophy we have to have at the state house. We're teammates. We are growing our community as a team and businesses are a major part of that. And, and making sure homegrown businesses and local businesses can survive and thrive with big corporations, but, but still bringing jobs to Indiana, still bringing you know, lots of jobs to Indiana through larger corporations, but they've got to be a team member too. They've got to have our community in mind. And, and we're lucky in our district that we have a lot of businesses that have our community in mind, but they have to be team members. They have to be part of this team. They are not the team. Right. Zach? Yeah, I think that's a great point, Brian. And, and especially around the, the care element, I think part of, uh, because yeah, you know, I think anybody, um, who gets down there at the state house and you get surrounded by that marble and the reporters and and i think there can easily develop a a, a, a not particularly rational sense of self-importance and i think it's incredibly important that you remain grounded in your communities and the people of your communities and and be invested in the lives of the people of your communities i think for example things like house bill 1134 happened uh in part not only like brian said because that was probably, I mean, that was almost identical to what, how many other bills throughout the nation that exactly. were just written on the national level and given. That doesn't happen, I don't think, if if you are regularly talking to public schools. Mm -hmm. I don't think that happens if you are in the schools and talking to administrators, and you know what education, you know, it was irrational. Um, uh, nobody's doing the things that they're afraid of. But I think a big problem is we're taking direction. Uh, if you're writing education policy, you should be taking direction from schools 
and administrators and people working in schools and not cable news show hosts and YouTube commentators. But the problem is that we're, we're not invested enough in our own community and the people who are experts in our field. Like Brian said, yeah, there's, there's plenty of businesses around here that are very invested in the community. The public school teachers and the teachers all around Fort Wayne and, and DeKalb that are invested in their communities, our neighbors. Um, listen to them. Listen to the community organizations, the nonprofits, the businesses that are that are mm -hmm. working in the community. Mm -hmm. They're who know, you know, they're the ones who have great ideas about about what we need and how to write bills that will positively affect their industry. Um, and you got to listen to them instead of just having impressions about, uh, especially political impressions about well, what needs to happen. I tell you what, guys. After watching uh, all those humans on uh, the January sixth commission and all the the stories that are being are being told about what happened after the day after the election, fellas, y'all are so refreshing. I'm I'm not even lying. Like I get in I get in my my mood when I be like some of these dudes need to sit down and be quiet. Let some women take over. But y'all are refreshing. I want y'all to know I'm feeling y'all. I am feeling all of that. All right, Ryan, I'm gonna start with you first. Okay. Talk about the three issues that you discuss when you're out knocking on doors and you're talking to the people uh, that you feel are at the top of your campaign. Yeah, so public, fully funding public education is, is like the banner thing for me. You know, as the teacher, I'll shout it to anybody who will listen to me um, that, we have to fund public education. We have to, because that's where the playing field goes level. We can't become exclusive in education. We have to make sure that anybody who's in our community has access to the same high quality education, not those that can drive their kids to the right schools, not those that can afford to send their kids to the right schools, not the kids that have a particular skin color that are allowed to go to a particular school. Every kid should have the same education if they come through our district and, and really in our country, right? This, this isn't a radical idea. This is a, a foundation of, of what we are in America. That's number one. Number two is protecting those who protect us. And, this, and that means we have to have the common sense gun laws that maybe we're moving towards, you know, I'm not quite sure, but permitless carry is not the answer. We need to have the conversations with with community members and community organizations and what's going to help them. I think Zach hit really well that we need to increase uh, access to mental health. Mm -hmm. uh, that's gonna be a big component in keeping our community safe. And, um, <clears throat> you know, this wasn't something that I was gonna talk about, you know, until about two months ago, but um, it, it was the first thing that the, that the newspaper asked me. Um, I think that we have got to make sure that medical issues for women stay medical issues with their doctors and and we need to stay out of it um and it seems see it seems pretty simple to me but that's i mean my beliefs don't matter what, what i would do in my personal situation doesn't matter and there's you know when we talk about roe v wade there's there's a massive gray sea and our job is not to create a black and white line our job is to make sure that women have access to safe, affordable health care 
and access to high quality medical professionals that are going to help them navigate through some of the toughest moments of their lives. God, yes. It is. I mean, the idea that people think that anybody is pro-abortion, we are pro-choice to make, it's an agonizing decision. Right. I, I totally agree with you. Whoever, if, if, a, if a person is having to deal with that situation, that's probably the lowest point of their life, the lowest point of their life. And we should be providing as much support, mental support, mental health care, and physical health care that we can to those, you know, to those women. You know, that's well said. I, usually dudes fumble that. You didn't. You, you, oh, you, you nailed it. Well, I, you you I nailed have some, it. I have some strong, strong women in my family that, that I really look up to. I can tell. <laughs> Zach, what are your three issues? Yeah. Um, you know, supporting education, the, the school systems around here are such an integral part of the community. Um, so a big part is, is, you know, that we're supporting our teachers, not just fully financially, but also as a culture, as a society, as a community that, you know, we understand how important the role of teachers is in, in our society. I and mean, my mom worked in the schools for 10 years and would say that, um, you know, look at how we're treating our children now. And that's where we're going to be as a society in 20 years. Uh, and it's just, you know, when you're growing up, you hear education is the answer, education is the answer. And you don't really realize it, I think, as a kid. And then you grow up and you realize how important it is to be able to tell fact from fiction, be able to tell, you know, different rhetorical devices that people are trying to manipulate you, trying to determine how we separate, you know, what might be a productive route versus what might just be an easy route. Um, so em empowering education is, is number one for me. It's, um, you know, the state legislature's biggest general fund budget priority. It's our most important role. Um, second is expanding access to mental health care. Like I said, um, the Kaiser Family Foundation set up here that we have about a third of the providers that we need um, in 2020. Uh, youth at risk of suicide jumped 873% in our area. Um, and, and there's just so much upside too, too. Everywhere from, you know, creating more stable families, giving individuals the tools they need. Um, addiction arrests are such a big part of the, the crime around here. Um, and, and further traumatizing people who have addiction issues is not gonna make anything better. Um, so we need to put much more focus in the mental health care. I mean, that's gonna be everything from, you know, protecting people in first responder employment to, you know, helping the school system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, finally, the third one is, is just more of a cultural ideal of putting people and principles above politics and power. Mm -hmm. um, you gotta be invested in people's lives. You gotta be able to look at things, not from a, a partisan perspective or um, how is this gonna benefit me or my power influence, but how's this gonna impact the people that who have entrusted me with their representation. Um, and that's what, in my opinion, democracy is about. And that's why I think, you know, I'm pretty clear, like this is what Brian's doing this for, this is what I'm doing this for. 
Um, and so that, that's something that's really, really important. And I love it. I love the fact that both of you have, it's interesting. I, you know, I don't do this on purpose. Like I don't know these candidates all the time, but you guys are so similar in so many ways. And it's, it's so wonderful that you guys are both trying to get in the state Senate because I need to send Fatty and JD and Shelly and um, Senator Taylor and, and, and Senator Needsgowski some help. Senator bro, I want to send them some help. They need some help. But I love what I love is that you guys have talked about faith and and you didn't mention religion. You talked about faith and understanding and how that creates compassion for you to see other people. You don't have to agree with them, but your compassion and your faith says, I am going to support them because that's what I'm supposed to do. Why do you why do we think? Why is it that in America? That, that humans think that only Republicans have faith or that they are the only ones that have a, a hold on God. <laughs> Talk to me about it. I mean, cause, cause I'm, every time I, I read about Jesus, he a liberal, he a super progressive. He like hanging out, trying to help people. He didn't care how they were. Talk to me, y'all. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, it's a great question. And it's like one of these questions, like, why is that? And, and why are Republicans painted as like the family party? You know, it's like, I, I have a great family. I, I was raised in an awesome family. My family doesn't, doesn't look like a traditional family, but a tra what is a traditional family in America? You know, and Norman Rockwell wasn't real. Yeah, yeah I know. Exactly. Yeah. It's, so I don't, I don't have an answer for you, but I want to go back to what Zach said of like, he said this at the very beginning, but like, I, I had to type it out. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, this is the line of the night where he talks. He said, you know, love, not as like a, a sentimental thing, but love is love is a substantial force was what Zach's words were. And I think that's what so many of us try to do is that we love our communities and we love our families that we want to make positive change for everyone. And it doesn't take, there's no specific religion. Well, actually every religion buys into that really. So it doesn't take a religion to do that. It just takes basic common sense, doesn't it? That that's well, what we you know, common doing. sense ain't so common. That's what my oh mama my used to tell me. Oh my gosh, you're right. <laughs> I, so to answer your question, I can't answer your question. I don't know why people don't think that you know, that we're not faith-based because I, you know, I certainly am. And I know so many of my liberal friends are. Love it. Go ahead, Zach. Yeah, Dana. I mean, and it's a big question and books have been written about this, right? Um, and, and, you know, I think for a long time, for decades, there has been an uplift of how do we generate, you know, people in certain corners are, are questioning how do we generate more power? How do we link, um, power and politics and and religion has been throughout history wielded to to ill or good effects um there's a part of scripture you know that says um you will know them by their fruits and and that is an important line for me because we have to simply ask um who's out here trying to improve the lives of children in this community who is out here um standing up for the people who are disenfranchised or oppressed or um disempowered um who is you know stopping to help their their neighbor on the street and that is not that doesn't have any political line right that's not limited to one political party or another it's a question of who's actually doing it um 
and 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 like Brian said, and, and I want to make clear those those are my words. Those those are Martin Luther King's words. You know, it's it's he, he saw love as this, um, you know, this actionable force that you you put this self giving service behind, um, and that everything and that and that the very power of God or the the um, you know the arc of the moral universe is behind it. Mm. Um, that's what's most important to me. That's what, you know, that's why I've done the work that I've done, whether it's in the public library or in the AmeriCorps program or in, in churches, um, because it's, you know, you, you, you see as another line from King to project the I into the thou, what is it like to be in the other person's shoes? Um, and that's what public service should be. And that's what government should be. Mm. Y'all, I am getting uplifted. Woo! I am loving, loving this. All right, I got time for one more question. You talked about your three areas of concern, but you just win and you're at org day and you're getting all of your um, bills that you either are going to sign on to as a co-sponsor or you're writing yourself. Zach, what's the first bill you want to work on? I think mental health care is going to take longer than one year um, in order to expand more equitable access and um, more financially available access. So to me, it's it's um, it's increasing uh, education funding, um, and it's especially making sure between now and then that you know all of us are listening to the educators in our community and really asking them what do you think needs to happen. What is you know to me that's what representation is. What do you see and what, how can we help you? Um, because they're the ones who are in this, you know, Brian's in this every day. Uh, they have the knowledge, they see what is happening every day. So how, how can we help? Um, I read a, an editorial from a Ball State professor yesterday talking about how uh, inflation adjusted dollars are, I think, at the, are less than it they were for education in 2010. Um, that's not how you build a strong society that that needs to be priority number one. I love it. I love it. Yeah. You know, there's, there's going to be education bills. I think, you know, just like we saw my, my first priority as far as, as writing that education bill would, would make sure to channel public dollars back to public education and strengthening the power of our all unions, but, but certainly our teachers unions so that our teachers have a say it, you know, in what's going on um, locally and at the state level. And, and again, giving giving a voice to the professionals that we trust to teach our kids every day. And that, that would be the first thing I walk do when I walk through that door. I love it. And, you know, I still haven't figured out why these folks haven't put two and two together. Maybe they need to go back to school because if you don't have an educated workforce, you're not going to grow your business. You're not going to grow your economy. If you don't have teachers who have a passion for teaching young people, we will not have an educated workforce, which means we will not grow our economy and attract businesses here. I mean, do, do they not connect the dots? I, and that's that's how we lift people out of poverty, you know, is is giving them a chance to receive a higher education, to get a better wage. Absolutely. All right. We have actually, this was such a wonderful conversation, y'all. It's I, it's over already. I, I'm, I'm sad. I could talk to y'all all day. Zach, tell the people where they can find you. 
Yeah, so our website is timeactforstatesenate.com. Uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram. So we're just trying to be active and, and especially hitting the pavement over the next you know, five months. And do you have any fundraisers or any uh, days of action ahead? Coming up, the big priority is, is taking these, you know, taking these door to door. I, that's the thing I've been most excited about is, you know, actually showing up in the community. So that's, that's what's going to happen for the next month. And your website, people can sign up to be volunteers? Yep, sure can. Okay, excellent. Don't forget to click on his AgBlue donate link. Zach, uh, Brian, tell the people where they can find you. Yeah, so brianforindiana.com, B-R-Y-A-N, brianforindiana.com. That's where, um, like Zach said, you can sign up to volunteer. We're going we're gonna to start knocking on doors. The big event coming up is tomorrow, the Bartholomew County Fair uh, kicks off. So I'm excited to, to just, you know, talk again, talk to community members and listen to them and learn and have some fun. And we're going to start knocking on doors July 16th. Um, our whole Democratic Party is, and, and we could use volunteers. So brianforindiana.com, that's where you can, you can click my Facebook link and join the group there too. Uh, and if I can just, for a, a 10 second blurb, Dana, um, you know, when you, you keep plugging us to donate for our campaigns, and if you're watching and you're not in District 14 or you're not in District 41, when you make a contribution, you're making to a candidate, you're making a contribution for change in Indiana. You know, so even if you're not in our districts, you, it's a visible sign that that you you want change in Indiana. So and and we'll be excellent stewards of your contribution to make sure that we're working hard to bring that change to Indiana. I love that plug. And I and you know what? One of the things I've always done is make sure that I put all the candidates, no matter where they are from all over the state, because even if because you might actually live in a district where your Democrat is safe. And there's the other ones need help. And that's why I do this, because I want to make sure that we have give our our candidates the best opportunity for success. So thank you for that plug. I appreciate that. Well, I appreciate you. the two of you joining on the show. I mean, my God, this was great. It was full of love. I you, normally before the show, I tell everybody, hey, my show is about love. I didn't have to with y'all. Y'all just came pouring out with all the love. Hey, I want to give a shout out to all the folks that came to the Indiana Stonewall Democrats after convention party pride. Uh, it was an amazing success. I want to thank Councilwoman Andrea Jenkins for coming all the way down from Minneapolis, Minnesota to be our special guest. She read us some poetry. You know, she just brought that funk. She's the first ever uh, trans human to be elected president of any council in the United States. And I want to also give a little shout out to Karen who came all the way up from Bloomington to meet Andrea. She was on the Today Show this morning. What? So listen, this is how we tie the community together. Issues may come up that make us angry, but we're going to fight together because we want to preserve everyone's civil rights. Not the ones, just the ones they like or the ones that they don't like. We want to preserve everyone's civil rights. And that's, it, it starts with electing people like Zach and Brian to our, our state Senate. We need real help over there. Guys, go sign up to volunteer and knock doors for them. I know I keep talking about, you know, money is good, but their Senate districts are big and there are a lot of doors that they have to knock. I used to say all the time, if I had had 
I would have taken 10 more volunteers over $10,000 more. So if you can, if you can give up a weekend, which guys, I am going to commit to a, a Saturday to help both you guys knock doors. I love knocking doors. Um, we'll shoot some dates and times for me to come and do that. And we can just do a day of action where I just come and just hang out and be loud and obnoxious for no reason. No, but I'm going to get you some votes. I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. Get some votes. All right, y'all. Indiana's all day to black. I got a great show coming up next week. Again, two amazing candidates. I got uh, the the congressional district four candidate and Roger Day, and I'm blanking on the second one. Don't go anywhere. Don't move. I'll tell you. Don't move. Do not move. Stay right there, and I'll tell you because I'm good at that. I can just go to my calendar. And Mike Travis. Whew, I blew that. Mike Travis and Roger Day are coming on next week. Indiana's on Dana Black. I got shows scheduled out um, till November. Uh, I hope that you enjoy the rest of Pride Month because it's, you know, it's coming to a close. But get your Rainbow Warrior clothes out and go make a stand and, and fight for our trans youth because they need us more now than ever. All right, y'all. We'll holler at y'all next time. Peace. Turn Left is the property of Black Pearl IT Solutions. Executive producer, Indiana's own Dana Black. Music by www.binsound.com. <laughs>